Hello and welcome to At Home with Ashley G. I'm Ashley Gronwald, a real estate agent, mother of three, living in Raleigh, North Carolina with my husband Jed. I hope you'll join me as we discuss all things that begin in the home, such as family, marriage, faith, parenting, organizing, and plus a sprinkle of real estate. I look forward to building a community with you as we navigate the joys of owning a home and making it our safe haven for our family. Because home is where it all begins. Hi everyone, it's Ashley Gronwald and I have my friend again, Amy Hoy, joining me today. And she is joining us for a very personal and intimate conversation just about a struggle that she has had. And we assume that many of you out there listening have either struggled with or experienced to some level. Um, and I've shared myself that this has been a journey that I am still on, which is just, you know, struggles with eating, disordered eating or eating disorder, however you want to, to say it, um, whether that's anorexia, bulimia, orthorexia, there's so many different versions of it. So we're, we're going to hear Amy's story, mainly because I thought that hopefully this will give you hope because she gives me a ton of hope in my journey where I have not come to complete freedom. She has seen a freedom that I have not experienced. And so that gives me so much hope that for you or anyone in your family that might struggle with this or friends, that maybe you'd share her journey um, to give them just a vision of what could be for them. And so thank you, Amy, for being so willing to be vulnerable on such a deep and intimate topic. And our time's going to go fast. So if you're okay with it, I'm just going to jump in because I think our listeners know who you are since you've been on multiple mm -hmm. times. And we love hearing what you have to share. So on this idea of just your journey to recovery through an eating disorder, yeah. what do you think contributed or caused your struggle? Because I think that's what most people start with. Like, where did this come from? And it might be different for everyone. That's not, I don't think that necessarily helps us get to the solution, but I think it does give us some explanation. So for you, where do you think it began and what contributed to to it for you? Yeah, for sure. That's very important to be able to identify. And um, for me personally, it started back when I was a rising junior in high school. So I was 15 or so. And my dad's job was going to relocate us from Pennsylvania to North Carolina. And I remember that summer before my junior year, and I can even look back to a trip that I had taken that previous spring, like that April, where I was with a friend. We were um, in California and we were getting ready and we were in the mirror. And I just remember looking and just being like, I want to change my body. Like, I don't like what I see. Like, there's too much there, basically. And so when the summer came and I realized that we were moving very subconsciously, not, you know, verbalizing this at all, but I just became absolutely terrified to lose, you know, everything that at that point I had put my identity in. And again, without my knowledge, I just started becoming completely obsessed with food and controlling my body image. So taking a situation where I was very out of control and trying to find control. Looking back now, I know that's what I was doing. So that year, that junior year of high school, I was just, again, obsessed with counting calories, learning everything that I could about that subject and memorized, you know, what foods were what. And I would go to bed every night and I remember laying there and even the feeling of going back, counting everything again, that I had eaten and resting with this sense of like satisfaction, like, yes, 
Like I got under this daily limit that I had set for myself. And that was just so important to me. It was truly my survival mechanism at the time when I was feeling so broken and definitely in denial that we were leaving. And I was really restrictive. I mean, I was also playing water polo and swimming and was very active, just very active person involved in a lot in high school. And I just, I can't, I look back and I was so blind to what was happening inside of me. I had no idea that I was struggling and that things were becoming so dangerous for me. Mm -hmm. And then that next year in 2008, when the, it was basically February, I remember coming home from a vacation and I was around people who were not restrictive whatsoever. And it was very, very triggering to me. It was also a vacation where we were outside in bathing suits. And mm -hmm. I just remember, I mean, I wasn't like consciously thinking about this when I came home, but I, I snapped that night and I had a, a binging episode where I became completely out of control. It felt like a very out of body experience. And I just ate and ate and ate. I ate myself to basically falling asleep. And at that point, I had not struggled in any way with overeating. I had really been very restrictive, um, what we would call anorexic. Mm -hmm. And um, I also started doing a lot more exercise, but it wasn't to compensate or to purge as we would say. And so that February, I just began this cycle of binging and purging where I would basically just have those episodes of binging on the weekends. And throughout the week, I would just completely punish myself and over restrict and over exercise and just try to make up for what I did. And I think it's important to note, like, I just truly had no idea these things were happening. It was just like I was running on this hamster wheel and, um, very much not processing my thoughts and feelings. Fast forward to moving finally to North Carolina for my senior year of high school. When we moved, basically this cycle became a daily one. So it was just, it literally was, I would wake up, I would do all of my homework for the day or college applications. I would not eat anything until like midday or lunch. And I would eat the same thing every day. Then I would come home from school, usually binge, I would either fall asleep or get up and go to like an appointment or a work shift. And then after that, I would go to the gym and I would work out the at least minimum amount of time I had set for myself. And then I would come home and I would usually overeat again and just repeat. And this was literally every day. It was, it felt like such a prison. Mm -hmm. um, I just was really like, that was my existence. I don't even know how people connected with me on a relational level when I think back to how intense it was in my mind. So that was my day to day in my first half of the senior year. And then um, the turning point for me really was a, a very rock bottom moment where that Christmas I got to go back to Pennsylvania and see friends. And when I returned to North Carolina, I had basically like three days off of school still where I just ate and slept and I mm -hmm. couldn't do anything else. And I was still, you know, these binging episodes were one where I, I didn't consciously want to eat. I was just like nonstop consuming food. Mm -hmm. And so 
I kind of woke up one day and realized, I don't know what it was. I just realized like, oh my gosh, like I have a really serious problem. I started Googling, of course. And I, I got the first hit being binge eating disorder, but I knew that there was so much more than that. And so I, I broke down. I told my mom and um, she got me connected to a therapist who was basically available to us as a family from our relocation. And so Honestly, that just acknowledging the issue was huge starting there. I mean, you can't really recover if you don't know the problem. Like you're saying, like identifying where that moment for me of all of this began, that really initiated the process of being able to heal. But I really tried to do things on my own that next year. I tried so hard to rid myself of the fear of food. I mean, it was like I gave it all my energy and then I would just end up binging again. And I would push and push and push and exercise. I would exercise as much as I could as my kind of purging mechanism. And it would never leave me feeling in control. Flash forward, I went to college and my first semester, I basically did from like a personal standpoint, I basically tried to like create a new life for myself and like a new identity where I, you know, similar to similar just patterns to the way I was in high school. And I was still struggling. I would struggle less because I was around people so often, but I would come home and I would just literally like eat and sleep and try to purge with exercise and it was just miserable. And I share all of that because at this point in my life, I was not like, I was trying hard to have a relationship with God, but I didn't really understand how to approach God. And I was in such a liter like a mess internally that I just didn't have a basis for how to relate to God or really myself. And so really the biggest turning point was spring of 2009. My freshman spring semester, I decided like I wanted to pursue a relationship with God and got connected to a church and a Bible study and just started doing those things. And the word of God became alive to me. And I finally felt like I understood what being a Christian was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was raised in the church and knew new scripture, like could tell you, you know, significant portion of my life that far mm -hmm. had been in a church. But I did not know the beauty of the fact that Christ had paid for my sin and I was free and I was literally given his righteousness for my unrighteousness. And it just became this. The experience was like waking up every day and realizing how big God was. And so I started pursuing him a lot more. And I had a moment in March of that year where I came home for spring break and I, I struggled so much. I like I've been sharing, my pattern was really like binging, sleeping, waking up, trying to purge it with exercise. Mm -hmm. And I had a rock bottom moment, but I went to the word of God and I opened to Galatians 5 and I just kind of randomly did that. And it, um, I read the verse, verse one of chapter five that says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And, you know, I... I get emotional even right now because that's what I was. I was literally enslaved to wanting a perfect body mm -hmm. and to trying to control my life 
through food. And God just spoke over me that I was free from that, that I was free from the shame of struggling and that I was his and that I did not have to walk in that. And so that was 2009. And honestly, I wish I could say that like my struggle looked better, but it honestly became so much harder as I walked with God. There are many years between then and like now where I would say I'm very recovered or free, but those years were extremely formative in my relationship with Christ and just were full of healing in terms of going to God and learning about my struggle and where it really came from and the roots of it and trying to uproot it all. So, um, I mean, I could share so many more details than I have, but those were the the years prior to really working on it. And the, a couple of things that you shared came to mind, like the like laying in bed at the end of the day and counting calories and mm-hmm. the victory you felt if you stayed underneath the limit that you'd set. But then the other part that I was going to add is the shame that I feel or felt when I didn't meet that and just the the panic, the anxiety, what will I do tomorrow to compensate for today? And I think for me, even still today, but early on, exercise was such a form of disguise because everyone thought she's doing a good thing for her body to be healthy and be in the gym and to cross train for the sports she's involved in. And so I love that I could kind of hide under that without people knowing that this isn't just for my health. This is to control what I feel like is out of control in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Just knowing that there is a real possibility that exercise can be a good thing, but also can become an idol or a means of control. I used to say it was like I had a country club looking disorder because Mm. see it, it it looked like I wanted to eat healthy and I wanted to exercise, but the motivation, and that's always what it comes down to is the motivation behind what you're doing. And people didn't know that. And so those, those things stuck out to me. And then how you said kind of your, your change um, was when, you know, coming to Christ where you started to really pursue freedom. And interestingly enough with my story, I think there was definitely seeds that were planted prior to becoming a Christian um, that were seeds of vanity and fear about body image and struggle with food and all of that. But then as soon as I became a Christian and made that choice to follow Christ, I, I what I tell people is I feel like the enemy realized he had lost me forever to his kingdom, but he was going to keep me from enjoying God's kingdom. And it was like, that's when it full force came and hit me was in um, that decision to follow Christ. So again, this is why our stories are so unique and God's faithfulness is intertwined in our stories. But you know, for you coming to faith kind of helped you fight that battle. But you said it did become intense. And I would say similarly, I became a Christian and that battle became very vividly alive. I think because I realized that I was serving a God that wasn't God and it was my body. And that really was a hard thing to battle when the culture before becoming a Christian Mm -hmm. said, this is normal. And what you're doing is good to be visually beautiful and fight for that at all costs. And now Christ is saying that's not the priority and to lay that down so hard. So in this journey for you, what has healing looked like? What, how would you say that piece? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, 
I wish we had a lot more time. Because like I said, I mean, from that point, really healing started when I acknowledged there was a problem. And that was over 10 years ago. And I would, I have a weird, just like it's a 10 year, like from start to finish the way that my story has played out. So healing, healing has looked so many different ways. I do think it's important to note both from what you were just saying, Ashley, and just more of a zoomed out perspective on all of this, you know, I'm talking about it as a believer in Christ. And, you know, if you do not share that faith, most schools of thought are that this problem is a sickness. It is an illness. And what I believe personally is that it is both suffering. It is both an illness that came upon me. And it is so very much intertwined with my sin. And so, you know, in my healing journey, I have focused on both sides. But a lot of my pursuit has really been in what I can control, which has been the sin aspect. And the healing, like we think of physical healing, right, our bodily healing, you know, I was really trusting God for while I know I knew I needed spiritual healing and I was trying to be an active participant in that. So I just want to preface like what I'm about to share was mainly focused on my spiritual healing and fighting sin because, you know, like you were talking about, I mean, Satan can only do so much. What leads us to a path of destruction eternally or being forever with our creator is our sin in our flesh. It's not Satan. He doesn't have that power. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, he... He certainly, as our enemy, does not want us to live for the Lord or, you know, the benefits of that. But we have to fight our sin. And so I really dove deep into what is that what is going on in my heart that is making me live in bondage to this. And so the first place that I started really was counseling. I was basically in counseling like every year I mentioned from the beginning of acknowledging that I had a problem and I did different types of counseling, but most of it was biblical counseling where I really worked through a lot of like family of origin issues, a lot of body image issues, a lot of, you know, very Christian word, but working through my idols, you know, what I was serving instead of of God himself. And that was, I mean, to this day, I'm in counseling and I could not have made the progress I made without that. One big thing that I would like to note um, real quick is, you know, we brought up shame. And I think shame, when you struggle in this way, is so huge. And for me, coupled with shame was Mm self-hatred. I just lived in this reality of like, you know, I want this perfect body so bad. I want control so bad. And then I go and I sabotage it. Mm -hmm. Like, I just loathe that I did that to myself. And I had a lot of unforgiveness towards myself, just obviously so, you know, meddled and convoluted. But um, in counseling, definitely, I was able to work through some of that and just understand that shame is not from the Lord and that it, you know, there's, there's a lot deeper um, going on when we feel shame and kind of exploring those, those sources for me. Honestly, I, you know, God's word has been the biggest tool for freedom. There is no power to change apart from God, in my opinion, and my personal belief. And there's no power that is lasting and real without that faith. And specifically, I lived in Romans 6, 7, and 8 for years. 
like literally years. I would go to that those passages every single day. I listened to the same sermons like actually every day. And um, that was what I needed. My mind literally needed to be filled with those things and replace what, you know, it had in there instead. There are so many scriptures I could talk about, but those three chapters were pivotal for me and trying to understand what they meant and then trying to apply them. One thought I had too, Amy, is just, and this wouldn't, I, I don't know any stuff studies on this, but it just came to my thought, you know, you as a one on the Enneagram perfectionism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Me as a three, which a performer, achiever, vanity Mm -hmm. is like Achilles heel. Yeah. I just think it'd be interesting to do the stats on it, but just how often um, one and threes on the Enneagram struggle with eating disorders because of those innate or personality preferences. Right. I mean, genetically, we're predisposed to having something like this. And if you look on the Enneagram Institute website, they'll give you like for your type, like at the most mature, most healthy, and then, you know, the the least mature, the least healthy. I can't remember how they word it, but Mm -hmm. for a one at that lowest level, one of the lowest levels is definitely an eating disorder. And then it's eventually suicide. And I don't know what it would be for a three, but, you know, just describing how how much I needed to feel perfect mm-hmm. and right and good through a body image or through control um, and how much that made me hate myself. Ultimately, mm-hmm. it's so ironic, but I can just see how a one can spiral because when they they cannot obtain that perfection, when usually they're so good at it, they want to break. And one thing my counselor keeps saying to me is like, my means of control is for me to find safety and security. Like that's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, whatever that is that I'm controlling, but let's say in this instance, it's food and body image and exercise that yeah. gives me a false sense of security that I'm longing for, which again, God offers us all security and him. And, you know, in this place, I'm trying to find it in my own flesh through controlling food in this example. Yeah. So do you think you could ever be fully recovered? I think that was the first question I asked my counselor when I first started to tackle this. Is this possible or will this be the thorn in my flesh that Paul talks about? Or do you think that you will, you'll always face this in some capacity or is there complete freedom possible? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think when I was in the midst of struggling, I would have said, I think it's possible, but I don't think it's my story. I don't, I did not think that's what God had for me. I thought I would always struggle especially as the years pass, I was just like, I have been working on this for so long. Like, why do I keep doing this? It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, when you wake up and you've done the same thing yesterday that you have said for years, you don't want to do each day. It really messes with you. Mm -hmm. But what I would say now is yes, absolutely. I think you can be fully recovered from this. And I praise God that I do walk in almost complete freedom right now. I mean, I think if there is nothing that anyone remembers from hearing this, the the most important thing I want to say is though I put so much work into this, this was all God. This was his timing for my life. He is the one who is in control of my healing, my my freedom. And uh, I don't know why he chose to give me that freedom and the timing he did. I don't know why it was sooner. I don't know why it was later. I don't know why it's played out the way it has for you, Ashley, and not differently. But I know that it's been up to him and that 
for me, there just needed to be this surrender to whatever his will would have been for this. You know, I, I really got to a point where I said, come what may, this might be the rest of my life. This might be rid of, you know, I might be rid of this tomorrow. And I was okay with either outcome. And, and that's when I, I feel like God started to really bring me true freedom. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause he doesn't yeah. promise that he'll take the thorn away, but he can. And so yes. you said being willing to have your hands open that God you're able to, but you may choose not to, and to still fight for freedom and still fight for truth and to glorify him. That's ultimately what he's asking of us. So if right. you could tell your unhealthy self something looking back now, 10 years, what would you say? Yeah. Ooh, looking back 10 years. Well, I'll just say, I would say different things to myself at different stages. Sure. But if I was to pick the longest stage where I felt like I was truly giving most of my mental energy and emotional energy to he healing, mm -hmm. to being free, I would say, like, you're doing a great job. Like, keep it up. I would mm -hmm. say, keep doing what you're doing, that this is so worth it and that you must fight. Like, mm -hmm. I would just encourage if anyone is out there struggling in a similar way and like any capacity, that there is really hope and that all of your efforts to pursue freedom, especially in Christ, are so worth it. And and to those who don't, you know, walk with God and who don't have that faith, like your physical and, and mental healing are worth it too. Mm -hmm. Like that freedom you're you're wanting is so worth it. And I would just say keep it up to both my former self and to you. That's awesome. And I wouldn't say I'm in the same place you are, but I even stop at multiple points and look back and say, it's not worth the prison you're in. What it's have you missed out on? What are your what are you teaching your kids? Those few pounds or those things that make you struggle aren't worth what you're giving up, what you're losing. Yeah. You know? So those exactly. are some things I think I would say especially as a fully recovered person. And then last question before we sign off, how would you help others that struggle with the same thing right now? You've alluded to multiple things, but I mean, yeah. I've heard of G4, which is a great ministry at the Summit yeah. Church that you and I have gone through. It's a great um, ministry. If you're interested, reach out to me, but they have a specific group for people who struggle with eating disorders. Yes. And one of our, that one book that we both read, Ed, what's the name? The Ed Welch, Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave. That's a good one. So good. Love to Eat, Hate to Eat by Elise Fitzpatrick, Made to Crave by Lisa Turkhurst. There's a few books I could recommend. I mean, there's there's so many things and I know we're, we're running out of time. I would love to help and connect and provide further resources or just be a person who can relate to you. And my biggest thing that I would say, honestly, is finding a, a person or people, hopefully people, where you can be completely honest and vulnerable about the depths of this and the details of it, because nobody wants you to be struggling the way you are and living in that that mental bondage. There is so much healing that comes in sharing it and bringing it to the light. Mm -hmm. And it's impossible to struggle the same way when it's no longer a secret. So I would just say 
be brave and step out and talk to people. And if you can find people who also have struggled and can relate, it will be such a comfort to you. Um, and I'm happy to be that person if I could be so. And that's what you've been for me. It's like, that's not all that our friendship revolves around, but it's rare that we get together and it's not a portion of our conversation for you to check in with me and me to share where I'm at. So again, that's been so helpful and healing for me. And so I'd encourage anybody, same thing. I'd be cautious with somebody who is in the struggle too, though, because then the two of you can trigger one another and then maybe take you down paths you didn't want to go. So I'm, I'm cautious of who I share that with just knowing where they may be struggling. So keep that in mind. Well, I, I think we have lots more to cover so we'll have to do this again, but thank you for being so willing and courageous to just share a struggle, but ultimately giving God the glory that he was able to, to pull you out of this for his glory. So thanks, Amy. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm so grateful and honored. So thanks. Absolutely. Well, thanks everyone for listening. If you have questions, reach out to either Amy or I, um, and I'll see everyone next week. Thank you. Thanks, friend. See you. Bye. Thank you for joining me today. And if you connected with something that was said, I hope you will share this with a friend, subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for sharing this journey with me at home where it all begins.